Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers. I'm your host, Daniel Lawson, and today in our study of Genesis 43, we are going to be seeing God's lordship over everything. So today's readings are going to come from the English Standard Version. I'm not going to read the passage. It's pretty long. Uh, It's around 30 verses. But I encourage you to follow along in your Bible as we study. So I'm going to give a little bit of background, but I'm really excited to dive into this text. So just bear with me. So if you're not familiar with the Joseph story, Joseph... He was his son, or his dad's favorite son. Obviously, that causes trouble. Long story short, his brothers sent him into slavery, tell his dad that, like, hey, a bear got him. He's dead. And so, Joseph goes to Egypt, and he does great godly work, but then he gets falsely accused and is put in prison, and then he does godly work there, and he helps two people get out, and then they forget him and don't let him get out. But then Joseph or Pharaoh has a dream and Pharaoh is told, hey, this guy, Joseph, he's pretty smart. So they get him out of jail. He tells the dream and then he is exalted to the top. And then there is a famine in the land. And so Joseph's brothers, they have to come to Egypt because they hear there's food there. And they've, you know, their conscience still pricks them. But for the most part, they forgot about Joseph. So. Or at least they think he's either dead or he's just slaving away somewhere. They'll never see him again. So they come, all of them, except Benjamin. Benjamin is the second favorite son, more or less. And Jacob's like, oh, no, you know, like, Joseph's dead. Benjamin is not going to some faraway country. So they go, and Joseph sees that there is 10 of his brothers, but there should be 11. So he's like, hey, guys, if you want food... You're going to have to bring Benjamin. So Benjamin, at the start of this passage, Benjamin and all the brothers are still back in, or Benjamin and most brothers, they are back with, or Jacob, back in, outside of Egypt. So, jumping into this passage, I want us to first see God's lordship over good sense. God's lordship over good sense. And I'm getting this. You're going to have to go back just a little bit to chapter 42. And Joseph, or excuse me, Jacob. Jacob is refusing to send Benjamin. He's like, Joseph died. I'm not going to let Benjamin go the same way. And I think that's good sense. Like, if you've ever seen, you know, if a mother loses her one of her sons, she's going to be ultra protective over the other sons. You know, I'm reminded of mad mothers against drunk driving. And they're so zealous for protecting teenagers on the road because they've lost their children on the road. And we see here, Jacob is zealous to protect his son. Like, that's good sense. And this good sense, from a human perspective, is getting in the way of God's redemption story playing out. So what do we see here? God's lordship over this good sense. And ultimately, God's lordship over nature. This famine, 
you know, it really got to, got the stuff done that God needed to get done. This famine was not a good thing. When we talk about this story in Sunday school, it's easy to kind of gloss over. Like, think of when we think of the flood, we think of like, oh man, all the animals, it was like Animal Con. You know, all the animals got together. The flood was violent. A famine, I don't know if I say it's violent, but people are dying because of this famine. This is objectively not a good thing. But we see that this perversion of good, this famine, actually serves to advance God's purposes. This famine forced Jacob's hand so that he had to send Benjamin to go to Egypt. And ultimately, this would bring about God's redemption narrative, where we see... Obviously, that the people of Israel are in Egypt, and then they go out, and they have the climax of the Old Testament, going from the Exodus to Mount Sinai. Those events would not have happened had it not been for this famine. And we see that this famine, it's not an accident. It is not just like God's really good playing on his feet. This is the careful plan of God. And we see that whether it be famine or common, you know, good sense by Jacob, nothing is going to get in the way of God's good plan. Our second point today is Judah's redemption gives us hope. Judah's redemption gives us hope. Notice here who it is that volunteers his neck. Judah, he says, to Israel's father. I'm reading to you from verse 8 and 9. Send the boy with me and we will rise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety from my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and send him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. So you see there that Judah is now willing to take on this burden. Judah... Like, if you look at his past, A, obviously he sold his brother into Egypt. The only one who you might be able to exonerate there is Reuben. But even then, like, he was only willing to, like, in a backhanded way, defend his brother. So we can't say too much positive there. Like, let's let's be realistic. But then you look at what he had done earlier with Tamar. If you're not familiar with that story, Judah, granted inadvertently, but still did, slept with his daughter-in-law. The way that he had treated her prior to that encounter was wrong, and obviously his sleeping with her was wrong. So you see that Judah is not a great character, but we see how God is able to use some of these traumatic events like plague and famine. How we use, or excuse me, not plague, I mean plague on the food. But we see famine. God used that to grow Judah. Judah now is willing to sacrifice for his family, for his brothers. That is a strong encouragement to us. And there's plenty of ways, but I want to focus on two ways. First, in evangelism. When you look at someone like Judah... Just be reminded that no one 
is outside of God's saving capabilities. No one's outside of God's saving capabilities. So when you have someone who just refuses to repent, who is hard-hearted towards the gospel, be encouraged that if and when God wants them to come to the knowledge of truth, they will. It's just factual. If God wants someone to follow after him, and God will make a way. And then secondly, in our own lives, we have encouragement because when we really know ourselves, we know that we are sinful creatures. We know that we do things that displease God. We do things that are wrong and that hurt other people and frankly just hurt ourselves unnecessarily. We can have hope that we are never outside of God's redemptive plan. God is Lord over famine and over Jacob, and he's Lord over Judah too, and he is Lord over you. Your sin is not greater than God's mercy. And if you have never put your faith in Jesus, please do not lose this offer of salvation. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Have hope today. And then finally, understand that God is working for his people through the godliness of Joseph. We've seen some of these, what we would view kind of as like inadvertent circumstances. Things that we wouldn't think of like the the famine. You know, we wouldn't really think of that. But obviously that's in God's good plan. And we think of maybe the, or Judah. We wouldn't have thought about that, but God's smarter. But here is where we have the ability to really follow this example with Joseph. We can follow after him by faithfully serving. See how God works for his people through the godliness, the real godliness of Joseph. That's good news. Know that we ought to be striving to do God's will so that God uses us for his purposes. Whenever you think of, and I have in mind here, like evangelism, you could say, well, God chose who's going to be saved, so why should I have to evangelize? I want to be Joseph in this story. I don't want to be Judah. You know what I mean? I want to be the kind of Christian who faithfully and joyfully serves. Let's not presume on God's grace, like Paul says in Romans, I think it's chapter 6. It's either 5 or 6. I'm meditating on it for a class that I'm doing. And let's not presume on God's grace. Rather, let us joyfully serve like Joseph did. And Lord willing... God will bless us with fruits of that. Sometimes we might not see the fruit of that immediately. I mean, if you look at Joseph, he had to wait, you know, up to a decade to see the fruit of his good work. And that is a long time. I mean, even if you ask an old person, like someone who has a lot of experience, they've been on this earth a long time. They'll tell you like 10 years like that. That's not insignificant. We might not see the fruit immediately of godliness. But know that God uses godliness for his good purposes. It is his grace that 
he uses imperfect vessels like us for his purposes. Celebrate that. Embrace that. And follow God faithfully, knowing that he works through people like Joseph. Be godly like Joseph. We don't have to, we don't have to be a, a Judah, you know? Joyfully serve the Lord where you are. There is good fruit in that. Thanks for listening to Adoptive Believers. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to go to our website, AdoptedBelievers.com. You can find podcasts, articles, and other cool resources. But without further ado, I'm going to see you next time. I'm actually going to come back to this passage. I'm going to be delivering a sermon on this passage. And so I'll let you guys hear some of the more polished sermon. But without further ado, I'm going to see you all next time.